created live on Fireside. I'm so glad to have you guys here on YNS Live. It is uh, on Fireside. And what I'm really excited also about is this is a little bit of a different show because we're going to talk a little bit about your passions but, and how you followed you know, it, it, your business. But we're also going to talk about how you guys work together. And then we're going to have audience interaction um, if people want to jump on just to ask you guys some questions. So I'm first going to... Um, you know, introduce you guys to the audience. Okay, guys, welcome to YNS Live with my guest, Nat Kimber and Lee Matthew Goldberg. So Nat is a literary agent and Lee is a author and screenwriter. And um, this is going to be fun because we met through, actually, Lee, you and I met through LinkedIn through one of my other guests, Lori yeah. Kessler, which was really fun. We, we kind of right, chatted, right. right? And then I was like, you, ha you have to join. So um, just introduce your guys' self, and then I'm going to you know, shout out to our sponsors um, after you guys kind of get going. So Lee, why don't sure. you start and um, introduce yourself? Yes. Yeah, I'm Lee Matt Goldberg. Uh, I'm an author and a budding screenwriter as well. Um, I've written nine novels, mostly thrillers, um, and my latest is a young adult trilogy. There's some projects in development as well that I'm excited about. That's so exciting. Yes, and Nat, please introduce yourself. Right on. Hi, um, I'm Nat Kimber. I'm a literary agent at The Rights Factory, which is an um, agency for authors based in Toronto, although I'm the sole literary agent of the company in the New York City area and always have been. Um, I represent authors, mostly American, but people all around the world. And um, The Rights Factory is based now in Toronto, in um we have people in the UK, in Spain, in Italy, and we're just taking over the world. Um, Lee Matthew Goldberg is an author I represent, um, or I would say co-represent with Sam Hyatt, founder of TRF. And I'm just really excited to talk about our passion, which is books and publishing and just, you know, the the entertainment industry and storytelling. That's what we're all about. Yep. And, and yep. And you know what? Storytelling, that's one of the reasons why I also wanted to get you guys on here, because obviously with podcasts, podcasts are all about storytelling. Storytelling is a huge passion of mine because there's not a, an opportunity like this, like a, a, an intimate opportunity, but also where we're broadcasting live where other people can hear your stories, right? You guys can go and talk, you know, as, as Lee's introducing his book, he can get uh, his following, but this is bringing it out to a different following. And that's what I, I'm so loving social audio for this because it's bringing a world like worlds together where storytelling is in so many different things. You can you know, storytell on the stage. You can storytell through um, movies, through books, but here, you know, with podcasting, a lot of times with interviews, yes, that is, but with um, certain interviews, you really grab and get the stories. And when you get those stories out of people, it really connects. So like when, when you guys start sharing your story, it's going to resonate with someone that you might not even realize someone that maybe is like, I've always wanted to write a book and they just laid it out for me and really made me believe that I can do this. So I want to jump right in there. And then I will shout out to the sponsors. Um, once we get a little bit more, um, people jumping in here. But Lee, I would love for you to kind of talk about how you got into writing and how you became a writer. Yeah, I mean, it's been a passion of mine ever since I was like five years old. I used to write books about my dog getting into like weird situations. Um, <laughs> and even in school, when I'd be bored in like science or math class, I was like working on books and screenplays. And so it's just always been something that I've wanted to do. And my first book came out in 2015. I've been repped with the Rights Factory for about 10 years. Um, and it was just so exciting to finally merge my passion and actual like monetary 
career. Um, and I hope I get to do it for the rest of my life and continue working with great people like Nat. I love that. So I have to now, because this is where my curious questions come in. Yeah. So I love that you, you know, always wanted to write when you were younger. My brother was the same. He was always writing things and he's a writer as well. And it would always fascinate me because that was like what he would do. Like he would go and, you know, kids maybe were going to play sports, which he did. But there was yeah. times where he just, like, I just want to write this. And it was always, I'm dyslexic. So it always fascinated me because I was like, <laughs> ah, I don't want to write anything. Like, I just want to, I want to speak, you know, I want to speak about something. So did you, were either of your parents in the creative world were either of your parents writers did you see it or was it just something that you really were born with i mean my parents were super supportive and they were huge readers so there were always books in my house um yes. and the yeah same answer. so they were just thrilled they would be my first readers and especially my dad he was like a great editor and what i loved about him was that he um always just was straight up with me so if something was not working in the book he would absolutely tell me even if i was like 11 uh, so <laughs> it, it, I think it really helped me learn the ins and outs of publishing where people are blind as well. But but that's so true because my daughter, I think I shared with you when we first talked, my daughter is a huge reader, huge reader. And just recently right, she right. said to me, you know, mom, I think I might want to be a writer. And I said, oh, I love that. And even though I am dyslexic, my oldest dyslexic, my dad's dyslexic. I said, we, even though we're big, like we have a, a long line of dyslexia, my mom was a huge reader. I was never a huge reader. However, I loved um, stories. I loved storytelling. And then when my kids became a certain, when my kids were little, I actually, um, I share this on the podcast, but I used to tell them, I used to make up these stories. Like I literally, we would be sitting, whether it was, you know, on a trip, um, whether it was in the park, whether it was, uh, you know, on the train when we moved out of New York city, like, you know, when they were even like six, seven, um, and they would say, mom, can you tell us the stories? And I would make these stories up. And it's so crazy wow. to me that I never, I never wrote them down because I yeah. never saw myself as a creative person because of my dyslexia. I was athletic. That was my path. And so it's really interesting that that was never kind of in, you know, it was never something that I ever thought about, but I look back and I'm, and I still kind of remember a little bit of the stories, but people would stop and they'd be like, oh, wow, where did you hear that story? That's amazing. And I'm like, oh, I just made it up. And they would look at me like I had 10 heads. They're like, wait, you just came up with that in your brain. And I would say, yeah, I came up in my brain, but no one ever was like, oh, you should write a kid's book. You know, you should write a children's story. So I never thought about it. And so I love that you were able to kind of go to your parents and say, hey, can you, you know, and so they really kind of instilled that into you. Like, yes. But so we used to read, like, I, I mean, also like I, that was my favorite time is when my kids would jump on my lap, you know, after, cause we, I, we were very, um, you know, go, go, go family. So we were always like at the park playing, you know, uh, doing stuff when we were in the city. So we were very active. Um, but then the second we would come home, it was like, okay, let's sit and, grab your favorite books and let's sit and read. And I would sit, I would sit crossing the leg and then they all jump on my lap and we would sit and we would read for a long time. And as much as we were very active and kind of, you know, uh, you know, I'm a, a, a move, like I move, I'm always moving, but that was one of my favorite times, bedtime stories, you know, where it was like, you know, who wants to put the kids to bed? It was always, I, I want to put the kids to bed because I want to read to them, even though, you know, when my husband started, you know, getting involved in bedtime when he didn't, ha when he would come home earlier, mm -hmm. he would say, Oh, I'll just read one book. And I'm like, Oh no, I always read like four. <laughs> you know, <it's> just, <laughs> I love it. Um, so I think that's really, really special. So Nat, how did you get into being a literary agent? Um, I got really lucky and just stumbled onto it. Um, 
more or less. I moved from Denver, Colorado to Washington, D.C. in 2007, and it was kind of like on a whim. It was like a last minute decision, and it was just a huge life change. And one of those things I look back on and I'm like, if I didn't move to D.C. at that time, my whole entire life would be different. And it was one of the best things that happened to me. But so I moved there and um, I was looking for jobs on Craigslist and I was making friends on MySpace and, you know, I found this job as a literary assistant and I ended up working for my first mentor, Muriel Nellis. Um, she is literary and creative artists incorporated in the DC area. She represents like David Lynch, um, Robert Kaplan, um, the Michael Gelb that did the, uh, the book about um, the, the genius of Da Vinci. Um, now I can't remember exactly the title, but I know, I mean, amazing yeah. um, boutique literary agency. She had her own operation like out of a house next to her house in Northwest Washington, DC. And so I went down there. Um, it was in my neighborhood when I was living in DC and I met her and her assistant, Jane. Um, Muriel is now elderly and a lot of agents um, end up doing this until like the end of their life because they just keep going and sustaining the careers of their authors. Um, so at the time, I think she was like in her seventies and her assistant was in her sixties. And I went in and, you know, they talked to me about reading and books, which I'm very much like Lee. I was reading from a really early age um, and just voracious. Like I was reading commercial fiction, like Michael Crichton when I was like in fifth grade. Um, Sounds like and, my daughter. You know, and all, all the kids books stories from, you know, scary stories to tell in the dark to like the Red Wall series to everything Roald Dahl ever wrote. Um, I was into that. And also my family was really big into movies and we watched films like my entire childhood. I remember friends being like, how have you seen everything? And it's just because it's kind of like a thing in my family. Like we just love stories and entertainment. And um, so really as soon as I started working with Muriel and Jane at LCA, it was like, I always describe it as like the hallelujah chorus, like all the light bulbs going off, like a thousand light bulbs, not just one. It was like, this is it. This is what you should do. I'm a huge admirer of literary talent. And I just always have been just the way stories are woven. Um, and I, you know, I dabbled around in writing a little bit, but I remember my older sister, Angela, she's a total genius and an aerospace engineer now. Um, I remember her writing a, like an adventure story when I was kind of writing a story when, when we were young and maybe just being blown away by her writing and being like, okay, I don't know that I'm really good at this, but I guess I've also always felt like I want to be a supportive role in creative industry. Um, I love talent and I think there's people that can do it better than me. And I want to stand in the background and let people shine. And I really want to help um, authors of all kinds make it. I'm not necessarily in this just to find the Roald Dahl or the JK Rowling's. I'm in this to help authors who are really, really good at what they do from all walks of life, you know, make it into the industry and see their books in print. Um, the publishing industry is just enormous. So it's, you know, it's a mystery to a lot of people and there's a lot of people trying to break into it. And agenting is just kind of all about supporting creativity and amazing stories because stories like they stick with you. I still remember stories I read in school, like HG Wells, the sugar people or, you know, I remember stories I read back in like third grade. And, you know, I think, I think we can all kind of relate to that, but, um, but it's all about, you know, supporting literature. So I was in DC for a while. I worked with Georgetown, um, 
in the Georgetown Book Lab, which is a small office that helps the tenure line professors publish. And then when I came to New York, um, I ended up meeting Sam Hyatt of the Rights Factory, and he invited me to have a coffee. He's like, I was actually kind of boutique agenting myself with just a few authors I really loved at the time and, um, the, you know, solo operation. And, and Sam invited me to coffee and he was like, why are you an agent? This business is so hard. You have to really want it. Like, tell me why, what are you, what are you doing in this industry? And so I told him all about it and he was like, you know, take your time, but I think you should join my company. I have all these resources that we can give you and a really fantastic authors. And I can see all this potential you have. And really Sam came into my life right at that perfect moment when I had moved to New York and I wasn't sure how to really break in, but I needed a company to see that I was already doing things that I was already really invested in it, you know, with, with several years experience, you know, working in assistant roles, intern roles, you know, operational management roles, um, project management roles. And, and someone that would go ahead and let me represent, not start me at an intern level or an entry level, um, because that's kind of what I was already looking at. And Sam Hyatt brought me in and let me bring my own list of clients that I already represent. He you know, coached me when I went out to the people I really wanted to represent and bring them in. And um, that's how I met Lee Matthew Goldberg. So here we are. I think I was thinking this morning, I was like, Lee, has it been like eight years it was, it's almost been, it's been like seven years. Yeah, it was around the time, I may have met you like once or twice before my first book, Slowdown, came out, but I remember like right around that time, you talking about it and you were so enthused and excited about it and like, you loved it so much. So yeah, that was 2015. So it's definitely been at least seven years. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I recall, I recall that book launch. That was a, yeah. such a fun yeah. book launch party in New York. And then I remember Slowdown. out downtown at, at some bar, I want to say like around Soho or the Lower East Side. And you you just were like gushing about Slowdown and you just nailed it <laughs> in terms of like your take on it and the characters. Even though it's a book about horrible people doing horrible things to one another, um, you like found the love in the characters for it. Um, and then, yeah, it was, it's, it's all history since then. Right yeah, on. So so I have a question. So now, did you guys meet like in the like Lee? Did you have other agents before? So, Matt? so the president of the Rights Factory, um, Sam Hyatt. Um, I've been with him for about a dozen years. Um, okay. He presents like my thrillers um, or literary. And then when I had the idea to write a young adult series. Um, you know, Sam's a guy in his mid fifties, not to like, you know, put him on blast or anything, but yeah. I was writing a book about, um, when I was a teenager. So it was about the nineties and it was about the grunge era. And Nat was just so excited about the idea. It, it just seemed like a better fit for that book and that series. And she read it, I believe on like a plane ride going home or over like yeah. two and yeah like one sitting on a plane ride i always tell people i was laughing so hard reading the manuscript of runaway train that people on the tr like people on the plane around me were like what is wrong with her <laughs> and like it, it it was a thing where i i would stop laughing and i could like i would like you know quiet down and then i just couldn't stop laughing there's so many funny things in the book i mean and i'm i was a rebellious teenager in the 90s so when Lee said he's writing a grunge novel with a, you know, a 90s girl protagonist, 
I was like, okay, wow, yes. Can I see when Lee writes that? I like, please let me read that right away. Um, and I remember that Lee went on to like Facebook and he's like, hey, all my, you know, all my girls who grew up in the 90s, you know, all my friends, like, tell me, you know, if I were to write a book, a YA novel from the 90s perspective, like, what can I not miss? And this comment thread was so hilarious. It's it like, like 500 comments. Like yeah, people like several hundred comments. People were um, talking about, you know, Doc Martens and the Delia's catalog and Sunflower's perfume and 90210 and just, you know, kind of all of those fantastic references. And um, really, I, I'm just so into nostalgia in general. I'm like into all the historical eras and all the wonderful, hilarious things they have. And so it just tapped in. But yeah, once I read the book, it just seemed really clear. And when I talked to Sam Hyatt about it, um, we had sort of a talk about it within the rights factor. And we're like, so is this a nostalgic book for adults who grew up at that time? Or is this a book for teens? And a couple of people were like, this is a YA novel because the protagonist is 16, you know, she's in high school, so it should be YA. And I was like, you know, I really feel like this is a book for adults. Like it's, it's for all of us who grew up at that time. Right. I like, I cannot wait for my sister to read this, you know, like I had to send it to her immediately and be like, Angie, come on. But so, you know, I, talking about that conversation, that's where Sam Hyatt was like, I can tell how passionate you are about this story. So why don't you go ahead and, you know, take it out into the world and you and Lee, I think at that point we had known each other for at least two years. So yeah, we, yeah. you know, had met several times in New York and gotten to know each other. You know, what's, what's great also about the rights factory and, you know, both my agents is there's an actual like friendship, like to think of them actually as people in my life outside of just my agent, which is very rare. You know, it's a business first, but I genuinely love Nat and Sam and we hang out just as friends as well. <laughs> Nat and I were at AWP this last week, the weekend before, um, and, you know, just hanging out. And there, there wasn't that much business talk. We really were just, you know, like enjoying each other's company. Keep telling so, yourself that, Lee. We always talk books. We always talk about business, <laughs> but no, of course, you know. As, no, as I know. Should, we, we definitely were just having, like, a good time. You know, we went out one night um, to this great place in Old Philly, I guess, Old City, somewhere, I don't know. Um, and, yeah, I mean, my point is that, you know, a lot of times, it's purely a business relationship and it's purely about money and, and et cetera. And to have, you know, Nat you know, in my life that genuinely just cares, not just money wise for my career, but really just cares about me. Um, I, I think is, you know, invaluable in, in terms of this business, because as a writer, you're, you're very alone, you know, you, you write alone and you put your work out there and you have a few people in so your life, truly. your career, you know, agents and editors but you're really by yourself so to feel like you have somebody like in your corner all the time and is rooting for you and like cheerleading and advocating for you um you know i can't really ask for more in, in terms of a relationship like that yeah and you know and i have to say because that that leads me to like my next my next question is I, and I love, and you guys can tell, even when I've talked to you guys before, like you can tell you were your friends. And so I, because I'm not in, you know, obviously the, the book writing business, but I was like, this is so interesting to me because you see the movies, right? You see the movies where it's the agent, like, come on, you got to get it done or, you know, and they're like, <laughs> they're like whipping them. And, um, and so I love that you guys have that friendship. So I would also think 
it's even um, it makes you Lee more successful because you also are like, this is a friend that I want to, I want her opinion and I want this. Yeah. And so it's going to give you more drive instead of feeling like someone, and I, you know, someone is like pushing you to like, Hey, just keep, keep getting it out, keep getting it out. You know, it's like, Hey, let's talk about this. Let's, you know, think about mm -hmm. that. So I, I love that. And Nat, I want to go back to like when you were talking about books and it is really true when you think about, I always go back to sixth grade, um, Tuck Everlasting for some oh, reason. Wow. And again, I, you know, I'm dyslexic. So reading was not fun for me, but I, uh, I either had someone, um, really read it to my, maybe my mom sat and helped me. I always could read. It was just like comprehending when I read it to myself, I was just slower, but it must've been where there was a connection in that sixth grade because that is the book that I love. And so when I was telling my kids stories, there was a lot about Tuck Everlasting. And it's funny. And I ha probably haven't picked that up. I had, uh, my teacher was Mrs. Williams. And, and she called me Joliet, um, like Joliet, Illinois. I'm like, oh, it's Ju Juliet. Um, but you know, you, you think of those things. It's so funny. But so I, I do want to um, shout out to our sponsors, but I also want to thank, uh, you know, Gina and Tyrone and Miss and Will and Fernando. We are going to be having questions. So you guys hang out because you're going to be able to ask Nat and Lee some questions. Again, if you're just joining, Nat is a literary agent. Lee is a author and screenwriter. Um, Lee has people are calling me. I'm like, uh, do you know it's my time that I do my shows? Um, <laughs> Lee has nine books. And so this is like a really fun conversation, just kind of talking about their passion. But I just want to say shout out to Together Women Rise is dedicated to ensuring that every woman and girl has the opportunity to live freely, pursue her dreams and reach her full potential. They are a powerful community of women and allies engaged in learning, giving and community building. Visit them at togetherwomenrise.org to learn more and join them. It's a really great um, organization, you guys. Check them out because they have a newsletter that you can just listen. But they, um, I've had them on the podcast. And what they're doing in, in third world countries and around the world is really remarkable what they're doing for women's uh, movement. So it's a great organization. So I highly have, you know, really ask you guys to check them out. And the other one is have you ever been listening to your favorite podcast? So say you're listening to this podcast now and you love something that Nat said or Lee said and you, you send it to your friend and you, they see that it's like an hour long. A lot of times your friend's not going to listen, but if you're able yep. to take a snippet of that part, like something that Nat said or Lee said and you're like, oh my God, I love that. I want my mom to hear it. You can actually do that now with an app called Picked Cherries. And what I love about this app so much is again, I can share with my friends and family and my fans, little snippets of my favorite podcast. And they can listen to that little snippet, which is going to make them want to learn more and go in and, and listen to the whole episode. So you guys can check out Picked Cherries in iOS or Android. It's almost like sending a, um, you know, it's almost like sending an IG or a TikTok. So it's just that little snippet, but it's going to get people to listen more. So if you're, you know, if you're not listening to podcasts and you're not picking cherries, are you really listening? I don't think so. So check out Pick Cherries again in iOS or Android. And thank you guys for sponsoring YNS Live and uh, your next stop. You know, it makes us want to continue to create content um, and, and get it out there. And those two organizations are really dear to my heart. And that app is like, it's really changing the way podcasts are listened to because I have now had friends where I've sent them a Pick Cherry and they're like, you know what? Sometimes when you send me an episode, I don't listen to the whole thing because I don't have time, but I actually now want to listen because I loved that little piece you sent me. So it's really changing the way podcast is. So thank you again. Um, so that leads me also into the next question that I have, because now I'm just, I'm fascinated with this world. So 
Nat, can you take us and Lee take us? So like when you first had your first book, okay, yeah. so you, you decided you wanted to write a book. Did you go and get an agent first or did you have to write it and then you see in the movies where you had to put it in the envelope and send it to a thousand people? <laughs> can you yeah. take us through that a little bit? Totally. I mean, I also started at a time prior to like email. I mean, email existed, but yeah, the first <laughs> right. times I was looking for agents, I was right out of my MFA program. So this was like 2007 around 2008. And yeah, you had to finish a book, which is still the same. In fiction, you need the book finished. In nonfiction, you could write a proposal and you potentially get a deal off the proposal. But in fiction, it had to be done. So I would print out, and I was working on a book called Eating the Sun, um, which still has never sold. Um, <laughs> and I would send out these like 400 pages to every agent in the business. Um, and, you know, it's just, it's, it's a tough time because you're dealing with a lot of rejection. A lot of times they like one thing, but then one thing is not working for them. Um, and then I was put in touch with Sam through my really good friend, Mark Irwin, who's a, a writer and a screenwriter as well. And we did an MFA program together and she had just signed and sold her first book with Sam. And she was like, I feel like you'd be a good person for you to talk to. Um, and I talked to Sam and he was like, I love the book, but these are the, you know, 15 things that I want you to change. He was like, take six months. And if you fix all the things that I'm telling you, then we can maybe talk. And I fixed everything that he said um, and then signed with him um, right after that. We never sold that book and there's still time to sell it. You know, like I, I feel like a book never dies. It always still has a chance. Um, but then we wound up selling my first one slow down um, soon after. So, yeah, it was about a three year process to, to getting an agent and then almost another two year process to, to selling the book. So right. if, if you're like really serious about this business, you have to have thickest skin possible. And rejection is just a mainstay. I'm still rejected. I just had a, a movie deal that fell through last, two weeks ago that was going to be a potentially huge thing. And we were about to sign and the producer in the last second decided no. So I'm rejected every day, basically. And you just kind of have to brush it off and be like, all right, not for this person. It's for somebody else. And again, like I was saying, to have people in your corner like Nat is, is so important. Because even when you're dealing with, you know, like a rejection like that, they're like, OK, but now let's focus on this. This other great thing is happening and we're yeah. going to say that to this person and, you know, right. the last rejection. Um, so yeah, that's my, my advice is just grow a thick skin. Now, so, the, and, and then Nat, I want to jump into you for a second, but I do want to say, because I talk about rejection all the time, like failures on my podcast, because when you fail, I think you're learning. I don't look at it as like, you know, you're failing, but when I take it back all the way to my childhood is because I failed so much in school. So it really was like, I am, I'm, I'm pretty fearless. Like, I don't care if I have an idea, I'm going to run with it. And a lot of the times I'm running with it because I don't care that I'm going to get rejected. I want to see what happens, but it's because I've really built a resilience and I look back. Yes. I think my parents raised me that way. Yes. I think I was born that way, but then I also think it was because how much struggle I had in school. So what do you think, helped you with that? Was it just like when you decided you wanted to be an author and it was like, okay, your parents helped you like, Hey, no, like take us, can you take us through that a little bit? And then Nat, I do want to jump in and hear, you know, your, your thoughts on that as well. Yeah. I mean, I'm a very stubborn person in terms of like hearing no. So <laughs> if I hear no, well, F you. Yes. True. I, my, 
my mantra with this career is I literally throw everything at the wall and some things stick and some don't. So, you know, like this thing I mentioned before, which is really, really heartbreaking that, that fell through. Um, it doesn't mean it's dead. Nothing ever dies. So we're just back to square one with it. We have to start again. Um, so, I, I mean, I think kind of keeping that mantra throughout, you know, the good times and, and the bad times is really the best because then you're not so attached. You know, if you only write one book and that book is the only book you're ever going to write and it's the one you're trying with, you know, it might not happen. And you have to be able to just like, okay, I'm going to start again and it's going to make me better. And all the rejection has made me a better writer because it just pushes myself more and more and more. 100 right. And, and makes me more stubborn too to make something big happen. Well, and, and I call it persistence and tenacity. I've actually done, I've talked about it a lot on yes. my podcast too because I've also raised my kids to tell them you have to, I'm, I have one child that's so persistent and I tell them all the time, as a mother, it drives me nuts, but I'll say this, it drives me nuts, but you keep that, my little friend. Yeah. You keep that yeah. because guess what? It's going to make you successful mm-hmm. in life yeah. and you can do it with a very fine line, with a very fine line. You don't have to be rude or disrespectful, but if you believe in something and you want something, you have to stay the course. You have to be persistent. You have have to, you have to keep doing it. So I love that you said, you know, the, the stubborn part, because it really kind of is interchangeable. Yeah. Um, or a better word is like, I'm a hustler. I'm a hustler, hustler yeah. every day. Every day I'm just like hustling to get my stuff out there and to just go bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. So yeah, in any career, be a hustler. Like, yeah. you know. Yeah, you, you definitely have to do that. So Nat, I definitely want to hear your take because I know Lee just brought, if you're, um, Chris, hey, I know you have a question. I'm going to jump to that in a second. But Lee just talked about how, you know, in the beginning he wrote that book and sent that envelope out to everyone before Mm -hmm. he was, you know, before he got his agent, um, Chris in the audience, his wife is ready to write a book. So he was like, oh my gosh, I was in his room yesterday. He's like, I have to, I have to come into, you know, and listen to this. So Nat, when you um, are getting, so you're obviously getting emails now or like they don't do it old school. Oh yeah. So I get getting, them all, all day. <laughs> and so take us through that process a little bit. And then Chris, I'll, I'll ask your question and then we'll have, you know, people jump up and ask some questions too. Um, so if Nat, if you can take us yeah, through that sure. a little bit, what that looks like. So, so in, in the publishing industry, that's called querying. Um, when you query an agent that's sending a submission email that like describes your project, describes a little bit about you, hopefully, you know, beautifully in a very compelling way. And sometimes, um, depending on the agency, they'll tell you what to send, but you'll attach a little bit of the manuscript, a couple chapters, um, or sometimes it's just the letter. And you're basically saying, do you want to represent me? And so that's a query or querying. And, um, you know, agents who are established get, you know, anywhere from, you know, 20 to 200 of those a week. Um, The reality is, you know, in a six month period, I usually can only take on probably three clients in six month period or about six a year. Um, and, and that's kind of like a high bar, at least for me. I know some, some newer agents are growing their list. And so if you're an author who has a book that you're ready to go out with and try to find representation, you want to kind of, you know, be like Lee, you want to throw everything at the wall. You want to make it a numbers game. You know, it's good to research what agents are out there kind of doing what your book is. So say it's, you know, just an adult commercial novel. Like go out there, find out who's representing debut novels. Cause if this is your first book, it'll be your debut book. Um, and, and you just want to email that query off to every single agent that you know does that, even if it's 200 agents. 
And ideally, you will get a response to have a couple of them will say, I really like this. This sounds great. Can I read it? And that's called a manuscript request. And so when we request manuscripts, we're basically saying, you know, I, I love this project. I'm going to take a look at it. It's not a promise. It doesn't mean I want to represent you, but it means I'm taking it to the next stage of, you know, review. Um, and really authors, I, I think that this is the hardest part for them is breaking into the industry and sending those 200 letters and the amount of rejection letters they're getting back, which at this point, I think agents are so busy that almost all of us send form letter rejections, which are a really nice way of saying, thank you for contacting us with your query. We've looked at it. It's not quite right for us right now. Thank you. You know, um, it's a polite no. And I just know that authors who are starting out, they kind of, you know, first, it just seems like a whole mystery. How do I break in? How do I make this happen? How do I get my agent who's going to champion my book and sell it to, you know, the big industry? Um, and really, you just, you have to just make it a numbers game and then just remove all, mm -hmm. you know, of your, all, all of those like emotional feelings from it. Because 99.9% .9 of the time, I don't say no to a book because I just think, oh, wow, what a terrible author. This book sucks. Uh, you know, it's not that I'm just like throwing things aside, like thinking that I'm better than them. It's just that I don't have the right take on it. Um, it doesn't inspire me passionately enough, like a lot of the books that I already represent, so that when I go out there to the industry, I can sell it powerfully and make sure that it gets what it deserves. Um, a lot of times it can just be that our plates are so full, we just can't take something new on, or it's perhaps we're not as, um, as familiar with that aspect of the book industry, which of course, as I always say, the book industry is the most enormous industry of a bought and sold thing. Um, there are more books out there than there's any other like thing bought and sold and the variety and the different ways to do it. And keep that in mind as well. You're going to have different agents say, I want you to send this or different agents say, I work on these books, but not on these. And that's perfectly okay. If those agents are out there doing whatever they're doing and it's not you, don't hate on them for it, but you know, keep looking for the person who's going to like your thing. Because I think eventually if you just stay positive, you'll, you will get there. And the other thing about it is that I know Lee talks about how as a writer, you're alone. Um, you're alone a lot in your creative process head. You're alone when you're writing your manuscripts. And sometimes you feel alone when you're starting to share it. Or maybe I know a lot of writers, their spouses don't even read their books. And that's a very common and totally okay thing if that's, you know, what it is. But, um, but being a part of a writer community is absolutely everything. And that is jumping into a writer's group in your area, like getting mm -hmm. on meetup.com, finding a writer's circle or a critique group. That is going to readings. Um, I think once you, once you get involved in the writer community in your city um, or a town, people will come out of the woodwork and start telling you, you know, when there's readings, when there's things you can come out to, book launches, mm -hmm. parties, and it's there that you're going to meet great friends that introduce you to people like your possible, you know, new agent that's going to represent you. Because in a, in a way, those connections, um, those personal connections always do, you know, always make a, a big impression on us. Um, when Lee tells me that he has an author he really wants me to consider, that someone that he knows and thinks is really talented and champions them, I know that he's thinking about 
um, are they a business minded professional author who is ready to go, ready to work with people and sort of at this level? And I can feel really confident about that. Um, and so I actually think I know Lee um, led to one of my clients, Jeffrey Barkin, because Jeff was selling his book in Union Square Park, um, selling his self-published book, met right. Lee. Lee invited him to a couple readings. Jeff and I met, and that sparked our fantastic relationship now that is, you know, five or six years. And Jeff and I work on all kinds of other literary efforts, like monologuing the journal and some other things. But so, you know, it's about really getting out there in your community. And the other thing that makes Lee a star author that I just think every author can take page out of his book is that he's always working on something different. He has different projects in the pipeline. And um, I mean, Lee's, Lee, you are an incredibly, um, you're very special in that you are prolific. You Thank write you. really fast. So Juliet, I've never had to crack a whip <laughs> and say, Lee, get it done. Right. Lee has always been like, it's ready. And I'm like, oh my gosh, really already? <laughs> okay, like, let's do this, you know? Um, but not everybody can be that way, but you can always be working on even like flash fiction, which is fiction that's under 500 words. Um, or microfiction, fiction under 100 words, um, poetry, essays, you know, if you have a great book, but you're also working in the space of trying to publish smaller pieces, you'll meet editors, other authors, you'll read other authors who are in the space trying to publish, you'll be involved in the community. And that is absolutely everything when you're trying to publish either through an agent or through a small press, um, just being engaged is everything. So, and you'll also get that solidarity from everybody who knows what you've been through and you'll have those, you know, it's basically like, not just like doing it just so you can get published, but doing it so that you can open up your circle and, you know, make a million friends who are all kind of, you know, doing stuff like you. And it just, it really opens the horizons and also like that whole emotional struggle with how it works, you'll always have a friend to talk to about that because we all go through it, every one of us. Yeah. And the last thing I'll say is that agents get rejected too. When we take a book out, I may take you know a book um, like Lee's next novel and take it out to you know anywhere from if I'm on the small end, like 10, 15 editors up to like 45 or 50 editors who I know target and try to say, hey, please read this book most of those are probably going to reject it. And usually you just have to get down to the one or the two. Or, I mean, you always want an auction, so you want as many to love it. But um, you want to get it to the person who's going to love it. And so in the meantime, you know, agents are over here submitting multiple books at a time, collecting multiple rejections. And we, you know, we feel it too, especially when we know how much we love a book. So authors should always know that we're out there, you know, doing it too, dealing with gatekeepers, dealing with the submission process, trying to make everything perfect, trying to, you know, attain, but we're doing it for you. <laughs> so. Right. I, I mean, I love the, the love fest there because you guys can tell you really enjoy working. So I had two questions for you and then Chris, I am going to bring you up so you can ask your awesome. question. Um, but so do you ever like where you have a book and you're like, I love this, but it's not the right time for me, but I know of someone else or it's not the right thing. And, and then you hand it to another um, agent? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I think most agencies kind of have a process for that. We actually have like an internal Slack channel where when we look at a pitch and we're like, 
this is really cool, but I just don't think it's for me. We'll put it in there. And then it's kind of, you know, any of the agents can say, I like that. Um, Got it. Or a lot of times um, I know exactly who it goes to. I know, I know the other agents at the rights factory and what they work on. And so if somebody pitches me like a middle grade nonfiction about bugs, I'm like, this is a Stacy book immediately. And I just send it to her because we all within our agency, um, which I don't think is, is very traditional. We're very collaborative. We're not very competitive. I know That's other right. agencies that are more traditional in New York. The agents are competing against each other. They are just fighting for the best projects. And sometimes it's a little more sharky in those scenarios. Yep. The rights factory is, um, I, and I'm, I'm not trying to demean other agencies. A lot of them are helping each other out, um, helping other agents, but yeah, if there's something um, that I know would be better for a colleague, I'm always happy to send it along. We do that all the time. I love that. And then the other thing I wanted to say is, and Lee, you know, I'm, I talk, everyone that, you know, knows my podcast, I talk about this all the time when I truly believe that we all have a path, you know, whether it's God or the universe that you believe in, that we all have a path. And it sounds like Lee completely found his path. Like there's people that, you know, are meant to be writers, but at a certain time in their life, maybe not in their 20s, maybe not in their 30s, but maybe in their 50s, that's what they're meant to. And all of their little, you know, life experiences lead them to that 50 year old yeah. where, okay, I'm a writer. But then there's the people that are meant to be writers when they're 20. And it's just then it kind of flows and they can get it out because it's like God or the universe, whoever you want to believe is like, Yep, you're on the right path. I'm going to keep feeding you this information. I'm going to keep feeding you these, you know, people to put you in touch with. And so that's what I want, you know, again, and this is why it's so interesting with this is I want the listeners to hear right now, you know, wherever you're listening, if you're, you know, I've got tons of people on LinkedIn, um, that even if you want to be a writer, but right now you've had so many no's and you're so discouraged and you're like, oh my God, this is not for me. It maybe is not for you at this time. You know, I'm a perfect example of, you know, I've had a lot of different careers in my life. I've, you know, I also stopped and stayed home and, and raised my three kids who I'm still raising. But then I found this passion of, of podcasting and it kind of came out of, I was in a creative rut and I, you know, was like, I need something. So I was like, oh, I want to start a podcast. And from there, you know, quarantine happened. Then I started interviewing people and then I was like, oh my gosh, this is what I am meant to do. And it's what I'm meant to do now. And, and, and I really believe this is what I'm meant to do for the rest of my life. But it's really cool when that happens, you get into this flow where things, yes, there's not, you know, there's some days that you're like, oh my God, you know, you're exhausted. But a lot of times you can kind of snap out of it like quickly. It's like, okay, what's the next thing I need to like move on? To, what's the next idea? So um, I love that you kind of described Leah as that. And that was, you know, so beautiful to see because I'm sure there's people out there that have agents also maybe that um, are, are, they're not as connected. And what do you say, both of you, what do you say to that, that individual? And then Chris, I will bring you up. What do you say to that individual that has an agent? but they feel like they're stuck and it's just not meshing. What do, what should they do? And either of you can go first. Sure. I, I, you know, I think if it's not working, it might not be working. So you, you want to find somebody that's looking at your career, really not necessarily just like a book. So sometimes it's better to cut your losses and find somebody new. And it's very scary because you like out an agent, um, is, you know, pet is terrifying, but if, for whatever reason, the relationship just isn't working. Maybe that person's just not meant to be your agent. Um, and I'll say, I'll add to just something that you said kind of earlier, um, just right before Juliet, you know, this career could happen at any time. You could be 80 and that's when your first book come out. There's yes. also where if you're getting fully rejected and you want your book out there, put your book out there, self-publish it, get a publicist, yeah. 
you want to put the work in, you can make something happen to it if you really like, if you can hustle it, basically. So just don't take no for an answer if that's your dream and that's what you want. Self-publishing has completely changed in the last few years. There's not a stigma like there used to be. You can put your book on right. Amazon. You can get readers. You can get it out there. You can even get it into a bookstore potentially. So, like, again, just don't take no for an answer if this is really what you're meant to do. Um, yeah, put it out there. But make sure it's fully edited and it's perfect. Don't put out right. <laughs> crap. Don't put out crap. Don't put out crap. Don't put out crap. <laughs> Yeah, I would agree with Lee that there is an audience no matter what you write. You know, there are so many ways. There's, you know, Wattpad, there's Amazon publishing or Kindle publishing. Um, there's a lot of avenues that you can take to distribute what you've written if you're really at that stage where you're like, okay, well, a traditional publisher is not really coming right now, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do something else. That's the reason why the writer community is just everything is that you will find a way to get your work you know, read and for people to experience it and to give you that feedback, like, oh, I really love this piece. Um, there are just, you know, a thousand or more literary journals out there in the United States that are all seeking work and you can start your own too. It's really all about, you know, doing like a, a basic web design setup and, you know, going out, asking for submissions, checking, you know, checking them over, seeing what things you love, picking a theme. And um, there's a lot of aspiring writers who go the route of actually starting a journal so that they can, you know, publish a couple of their own things, but publish other people at the same time and be learning what that business is like in the process. So they're kind of seeing the other side of it. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I do think that there's there's a lot of people who are trying to be writers and, um, that you know, there's this perception that it's a full-time job. It certainly can be. I mean, you can... There can be work for you for 40 hours or 60 hours a week, as Lee can probably attest to. Um, but also, if you're a person who is bogged down by another job in your life and you still want to write, there's still space for you. You can still, you know, work on small pieces or work on sections of your novel. Um, and, you know, you have to set aside that time for you to write. But there is everything from residencies that will, you know, support you taking a weekend away from your family. So all you can do is go off into the mountains in a peaceful place and have a nice quiet space with a couple other writers. There's residencies, there's a lot of like, you know, programs at local colleges. Um, there's always, you know, MFA programs and those kinds of things where you can really learn the critique process um, and learn, you know, with a lot of students. and. I think one of the things is, is no matter what stage you're at in writing, I always want my writers to think about like where they're going to be in like five years or 10 years to think, you know, they know that they love this book they've written. And I know that I love this book they've written and we're going to go out there and we're going to try. But if this one doesn't happen, it's going to get them to their next book and their next book and their next book after that, they're going to see their writing grow. And that's something that has been so beautiful in this industry is watching writers go from their first book to their third or fourth. And as we're reading it, we're like, like, I, I will tell them, I can see your writing has gotten so much better. And that's not to say it was horrible before because I loved it, but I've seen where you've come and it's so exciting. So um, to always just that. think, you know, start where you start. Everybody starts somewhere but you're always going to be getting better. And that goes for everybody that's in our creative industry. You have to start somewhere, but 
when I started working with the Rights Factory, I was like, okay, I know I'm here with agenting and I love what I'm bringing to this, but I'm going to get better. And, you know, with mentorship and with this company, I've seen myself grow. And I think we can all, as creatives, we can all relate to that. I love that. I love that. So I'm going to let Chris, because anyone else that wants to ask a question, we have about 10 more minutes. Um, Chris, uh, you're on the stage. Chris has got a great voice. Just be, be ready. (laughs) <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Thank you. Uh, I told you. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Julia, for a great show. And thank you for the opportunity to speak. Um, I have a question for Natalie and for Lee. Uh, Natalie, uh, the question for you is this. Uh, what format should a writer use? My wife, for example, is writing. What is it? Word document? I mean, what is the appropriate thing to submit things on or to? And then for Lee, how can I help my wife not to be such a perfectionist in the drafting stage. In other words, she writes so slowly because she's editing constantly. I'm whispering because I don't want to get beat up. (laughs) Okay. I'll just say, um, uh, doc or doc X, which is, you know, the, the sort of ubiquitous, um, starts a Microsoft word, or you can use Google docs to have the same thing. Um, that's always acceptable. Um, and so this is for everybody listening that wants to submit a book to an agent or a publisher. You want a, a docx file that's so that it can be edited down the road. Um, you want it double spaced, 12 point type, and just a basic font, one inch margins, put your page numbers on there. That's it. Now you can submit a double spaced document as a PDF. That always works too, at least in the early reading stage. Most of us, you know, will take that, but doc or pdf that's usually it yeah Love that. and i would say um let your wife have her process like don't don't mess with her process <laughs> if she takes forever that's that's how she writes like i'm just super fast so that wouldn't work for me and you look at an author like donna tart that takes 10 years to write a book and wins a pulitzer so maybe that's your wife's path you know i i will say though yeah I, i'm being a little funny you know for a first draft Sometimes you want just the vomit on the page. So maybe just to encourage her, just get it out as raw as possible. And then you can always go back and fine tune it and fine tune it a little more. But just to get it out there at first, I, I think is always a good idea. So you're not worried about like where it's going. It's already there, kind of. But other than that, yeah, that's her process. Yeah, I would say um, if, if you could say you got some advice... I agree with Lee. Your process is like whatever gets it on the page for you and how, you know, how much you struggle with that. That's fine. But, um, you know, learning about outlining can possibly help her to go a little faster so that she knows what's coming next. And then you get excited to like get to those scenes. So you might, you know, be writing through a little more. And then just this phrase that we can all learn from is don't let perfection be the enemy of the good. You know, if you're going over it, going over it, going over it, and it's stopping you from actually getting it out or getting it on the page because you're just trying to make it perfect, then, you know, you're you're not letting the good flow. Just let the good flow because if the good is there and there's some typos, who cares? I don't throw a manuscript out because it has typos, especially if I love it. I'll, I'll help them fix those typos. And I think a lot of other agents agree. You also, I, I mean, just to piggyback off of what Nat said, yeah, absolutely outlines. I, I always use outlines. Um, but, I, I mean, you're not always, re, re, you know, like reinventing the wheel. 
it's a book and many people have written books before and your book is probably not going to be that much different than any other book that's out there. So just focus on getting it done and getting that book, you know, into completion and not having it have to be like, the, you know, this is the book that's going to win me a national book award. Like it's probably not. So just kind of get that book out there as much as possible. And the last thing I'll say, really want to make sure that you're enjoying the process. It's like a chef. Mm -hmm putting the love into it, people can see it on the paper as well. So like, love what you're doing. If you're staring at a blank screen and you're hating yourself every day, it's maybe not the best career for you. That's also where writer's community comes in because if you yes. have a writing buddy you can meet with and work on and say, okay, we're gonna get five pages done today. Then, you know, you might be able to, she might, you or her, whoever is writing, might be able to get a little bit farther along when you kind of have a goal to set with the buddy isn't it um isn't it stephen king who says he writes like 30 pages a day or five pages a day or something like that and that's how every book gets done maybe it's even three pages a day it's like three full pages and then the next day you make sure you hit your three pages and then what you know stephen king does that's really interesting which i've always used is he ramps up the action as the page goes you always want to be turning the page and it's great for an author because it always allows you to like move yourself forward as well. Even if you're not writing a thriller, all books should be like a little bit of a thriller at heart, honestly, to keep like the interest. Like you need drama and intrigue and tension and suspense. Like you need that. So to always think like, okay, I'm ramping things up as the page is going, so people want to flip it to the next one. That's awesome, Lee. I've never heard that advice, but I think that's I've, I've taken really it, great. I've taken it I think I'm gonna, I'm going to try that if. Once I start writing again. So, so, so what you're telling me is writing is much like my 35 year marriage, drama, intrigue, tension. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you so much. Thank you, Chris. Thanks, Chris. Well, I know, but, and you know, and one thing I want to add to this and what it always comes back. I mean, there's always a theme in my podcast, um, but you know what? It's so, everyone needs to find their strengths and weaknesses and they need to work how they work best. So I think yeah. a lot of times, you know, you, you have, um, it's funny where I always will take it down to like, um, someone that struggles in school. Okay. Maybe they struggle in math and science, but they're really good at history and English and public schools are constantly trying to get them better in math and science and forgetting about the history and English. And it's like, well, how about we just give them more support in the history and English? Cause that's what they're really good at. And just say, okay, maybe you're not going to be a mathematician or a scientist. Cause we do all, and that's one of the things when I struggled, I was, I was really good at some things, but they just kept focusing on the things that I sucked at. And it was like, okay, I just suck at that. I, I, I don't, I'm not going to be a mathematician. So just let's kind of do it. So Chris, like thinking about your wife, what she's good at, her strength maybe is that she works better where she puts it down and then she edits because then it gets her brain flowing again. If it's making her stop in her flow, then no, she wants to change that. I would, I would assume like if you have a flow, you just kind of vomit it out. But if you're someone that needs to take pauses, cause that's, you know, how you work best. I think that's probably what's really important. Does anyone else in the audience have, uh, have a I question added, for these guys? Can I add just a quick thing to that, Julia. Um, oh, please. You know, I love that. It's so important, especially for like emerging writers, you're finding your voice. Sometimes it takes like, two or three books to find that voice. So this first book that she's working on might be just the book where she's finding that. And then the next one, it's really going to like sing. It's all about it. No, I love that. And I think it's so true. So anyone that's in the audience that doesn't know how to ask a question, if you guys hit that little react over to the right, you'll see there's an emoji with like a, like a, like a question. Hmm. <laughs> you can click that 
and then you can um, push send and it shows me that you have a question or you can click the two lines to the left and it will say um, uh, ask to, to speak and then I can kind of see that as well. If you guys don't have questions, that's also okay. In the meantime, why don't um, Nat and Lee tell everyone where they can find you? I know I wrote this in the uh, in the fortune cookie, but as I'm reading it, I'm like, oh, that's a lot of words. Like that might be, it's going to be in the show notes when this goes out. So no worries, you will find it, but it is um, maybe a little, a little too, too many words in a small scroll. So if you guys can shout out where people can find you best, that would be awesome. Sure. You can find me. My website is Lee Matthew Goldberg, my full name.com. Um, Lee Matthew Goldberg on Instagram and Lee Matthew G on Twitter. Great. Uh, yeah, I'm um, under the agents page at therightsfactory.com. Um, I'm on Twitter, Nat underscore TRF. Um, if you Google Nat Kimber or Natalie Kimber, you, I'll come right up. Um, I'm on Facebook as Nat Kimber. Um, and Instagram, I started as a little bit of a personal thing, so I keep my handle there. It's uh, Zunita, Z-S-U-N-I-T-A. It's for an old uh, writer alias I had um, okay. back oh, yeah. in the day. And uh, the, the Donnybrook Writing Academy back in 2007 was a little collective of Denver writers where I wrote as ladies you need a, um, but so anyhow, um, thank you so much, Juliet. This has been just incredible. I want to yeah. say um, if, if you guys are interested at all to read Lee's books, they are absolutely fabulous, especially the Runaway Train series. First book is Runaway Train. The second is Grenade Bouquets. And the third is Vanish Me. Um, they are they are YA uh, grunge novels of a very rebellious teenage girl who um, takes off on a on a on a runaway trip. Is really the very very minutest way to say it, but also they're very nostalgic. If you love the music of that era, um, if you grew up in the '90s, or if you were a rebellious kid, then you will probably love Nico Sullivan, the character in these books. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're talking earlier about Slowdown. That's Lee's first book. It's a really dark thriller about a guy trying to make it in the film business in New York and it's psychedelic and it's super noir and it is like weird and awesome and just really, you know, um, captivating as a book. It will stick with you. Um, and Lee has, you know, so many others. You have The Mentor, The Ancestor um, and more to come. So which is exciting. I mean, I love how we connected. This is why I love what I do is because I had a guest on who I actually used to work with years ago and she's doing some really cool things. And that's how Lee and I kind of connected. And we talked about, okay, how can we do this? And then you said, Hey, why don't we also have my, you know, my literary agent on? And I said, Oh my God, that will actually be so fun because we can make this a little bit of an education. We can also you know, if any of you do find after you leave, you know, you're like, oh, wait, I have a question. I know a lot of times now that people are going back to the office, they'll text me later and they're like, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't come up and speak because I'm in my office and I'm not supposed to be listening to your show, but I love the shows and I really wanted to jump on, you know, with Nat and Lee. Just, um, you know, you guys can find me on IG at I am Juliet Han. I'm sure you would take questions from, you know, Nat and Lee. Would you guys, if they email you or. Yeah, email is Natalie at the rightsfactory.com. Yeah, and you can find my email on my website, leematthewgoldberg.com. And just say I was on Fireside because, you know, they probably get tons of emails. and Reach out. Yeah. Yeah. No, this was awesome, and I'm just, you know, so thankful. And I I have a feeling that this is not going to be the first show that you guys are on because as we were going, I was like, ooh, I see this as a series where we can come on and talk. Let's do this. (laughs) I mean – 
But I'm serious. I really think it will be really cool because it will be really fun for as you're growing and Nat, you're growing. But also, I think a lot of people, there's so many people out there that I run across and I'm like, I want to write a book or I want to do this. And they don't know the steps. And really in anything, whether it's in screenwriting, Lee, which you can talk, you know, also about, there's so many different things about starting something new that there's this, you know, the scary part of it. It's like the failure part that we talked about. But then there's also the part of like, I just don't know what to do. And I think what you guys do in your industry can also relate to other industries. Like here, these are the first things that you need to do. And you guys have such, you know, in the, um, the book of the world of books, there is such a process. It's like, okay, this is what you're supposed to do X, Y, and Z. And it really kind of leads to other industries. So I kind of love that. So you guys will, will be here, you know, once again, I do want to shout out again, um, together women rise is a dedicated ensuring that every woman and girl has the opportunity to live freely pursue her green dreams and reach out, reach her full potential. We are a powerful community of women and allies engaged in learning, giving and community building. Please check them out at togetherwomenrise.org to learn more and join them. Seriously, if you guys just go check it out, it's again, togetherwomenrise.org. Sign up for their newsletter. They have chapters all across the United States and they're doing really, really cool things. And we're going to probably have a couple of their, um, their donors on because the stories, when we talk about stories, a couple of, you know, Barb and Wendy were on and those stories, I was like, oh my gosh, that's so freaking cool. So check out what they're doing. And then again, if you guys love this episode, this will go out in a couple of weeks. It will go on my RSS feed where you can get it on Apple and Spotify. You can check it out here on um, Fireside, but if you're listening on YouTube and, you know, Twitch and uh, Facebook and, um, and LinkedIn, and you're like, how do I share it? How do I share it? This is, you can go on Fireside, but if you're not a member of Fireside, in a couple of weeks, it will go out on your next stop. And what's going to be really fun is that you can get it on picked cherries. And that is picked cherries, like, yes, I'm picking a cherry. And what that is, is an app. You can get it on um, iOS right now and Android, and it is free. And you can listen to your favorite podcast. But as there's that moment, that quote, like both of these guys have said really great quotes. I think I have too. Um, but there are some really great things that we talked about here. You can take that little snippet and send it to your friend that maybe wants to be a writer. But if you send them the whole episode, they're like, eh, I don't have that hour. I don't know, you know, but you send them that little snippet, maybe that something that Nat said about what the processes of writing or what Lee said about, you know, the rejection thing. And they can say, wait, I want to listen more. So that is called when you take a snippet, it's called a picked cherry. It's almost like an IG or a TikTok that you can send to your friends and family, but they can get involved in your favorite your favorite podcast. So go over and download Pick Cherries today and start listening to your favorite podcast. And you can find this on there in the next couple of weeks where then you can share. So thank you everyone for joining YNS Live. Thank you, Nat. Hey. Thank you, Lee. Thank you, Julia. Uh, so this fun. Is, yeah, really, really fun. And again, and I'm not, I'm not blowing smoke. I really want to talk about <laughs> doing this like a uh, monthly thing. Anytime you want. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Yeah. Thanks. All right. Julia. Thank you everyone for joining. Thanks, Lee, good to see you. Bye, everyone.